0: Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Live with Doug. We are live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, thinking through God's Word together. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Uh, I I did. My family did. It It was a great time. Yesterday, we had a wonderful gathering here in my home with, uh, with the Saints. Someday I'll tell you about what we're doing there. It's a little different, and uh, it's good stuff. So we are, as I said, going to bring this uh, Romans 9 through 11 plane in for landing probably tomorrow, and uh, uh, we want to wrap up at least the, the, the main focus on Romans 9 through 11, and uh, then I know there are some questions lingering, especially from the Olivet Discourse. We have spent quite a bit of time in Matthew 24 and Luke 21. As Paul says, uh, definitely this uh, has helped his understanding of Matthew 24. Uh, still recovering from the left behind series, yes, as so many are. Uh, so we, what, I, what I think we'll do the rest of this week is uh, today and tomorrow, we will finish the, the focus on Romans 9 through 11. There's a, uh, a couple of uh, Old Testament passages that uh, we need to look at in order to conclude what, what I think Paul is talking about in Romans 9 through 11. And then, as I told you, we will spend the rest of the week, Wednesday through Friday, uh, looking at the Olivet Discourse. There are some lingering questions there, I know, and that may lead into some other things. So we'll kind of do a and a if you want. If you want to put questions along the way in the comments, uh, we'll take a look at those as we go. So that's kind of my plan. At the moment, I'm planning on taking a break next week and not doing uh, these live broadcasts. Uh, got some things with the family to do and some friends I want to help and some uh, So traveling, so that's kind of my plan. We'll let you know uh, as the week goes on, and if we have too many questions that spill over, maybe I'll do one or two next week. We'll see. So uh, before we get into uh, today, I want to show a comment from uh, a brother named uh, Tom here, and this is a great comment. Uh, He says, would you say the fullness of the Gentiles coming in is the same as the gospel being preached to all the nations as in Mark 13:10. So hopefully Tom today and tomorrow will answer that question. And if I don't address it specifically, if you don't see where, uh, where our conclusions answer that question, then, then fire back and answer, ask again. And I, I love this next comment. Thanks so much for your time in this series. It has been a big challenge for me to unsee what I thought I believed. You are persuading me through the scriptures. That is one of the greatest comments I, c- I could ever receive. You're persuading me through the scriptures. As you know, I'm not interested in just bringing uh, theology and man's conclusions and man's writing here. I want to show you what the text says. So Tom, thanks for putting that there. That encourages my heart, and that's why why we do this. Uh, so see if uh, see if I answer your question as we go. So back to Romans 11 once again. And verse 25, for I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery. There's a mystery. By now you should know what a mystery is in the Bible. If you would be so kind as to put in the comments there, the chat, that you know what a mystery is in the Bible, that would encourage my heart. Let me know that you have, you've got that. Paul says, I want you to know this mystery. And here's the reason. I don't want you to be wise in your own estimation. I don't want you to be arrogant. I don't want you to think you're more than you are. And there's a specific concern he has, and tomorrow we'll come back and put this in its context. He says, here's the mystery, that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. All right, so Israel is hardened, Paul says, until something happens. And that something is the fullness of the Gentiles. Or if you remember, this word Gentile simply means nations. And maybe we should think of it as nations. And maybe that'll change the connotation a little bit. Because for those of you like Paul recovering from left behind, you have in your mind Jew, Gentile, Jew, Gentile, Jew, Gentile, which, which is a fair distinction because that is made throughout this passage. And that's that's certainly true throughout the, uh, the scripture, the New Testament. But... It's Jew and nations, Jew and other nations is the point. For much of biblical history, God's focus was on the Jewish nation, the nation of Israel. Paul here says the nation of Israel has been hardened in his day, hardened against the truth of Christ until the fullness of the nations has come in. And one of the questions that should be coming to your mind is, come into what? Entered into what? Then he quotes here, so all Israel be saved. And he quotes from Isaiah, two passages, Isaiah 59, Isaiah 27. And then he gets into his conclusion, which we will look at tomorrow. So I want to go back and capture the context again of this uh, Isaiah 27 quote, and then look at one other prophecy in Isaiah, that I hope will give the backdrop to all that we need to do to conclude tomorrow and see in the flow of the whole context what Paul's been saying. So let's take a look again at Isaiah 27. Starting in verse 2, it says this. In that day, which, by the way, as we spend a little more time in the Olivet Discourse uh, coming up, And toward the end of the week, that phrase, that day, very important phrase in the prophets and in Jesus's statements in uh, in Matthew 24. And Keith got it, by the way, revealing the unknown. Yes, mystery. Mystery is something that was hidden that has now been revealed. Excellent. That uh, encourages my heart that y'all are learning and paying attention here. All right, so Isaiah 27, in that day, a vineyard of wine, sing of it. I, the Lord, am its keeper. So there's a vine, a vineyard, a wine vineyard. And he says, I am a keeper of this vineyard. I water it every moment so that no one will damage it. I guard it night and day. I have no wrath. So God is giving Isaiah a picture, a vision of a day when he has spent his wrath. And he is simply protecting and cultivating his vineyard. Now, if you've been following along, paying attention, you know there is a day of wrath coming for Israel. He's been announcing it over and over and over again. But now God is picturing a time when he's He's done with that. All right? He goes on. He said, should someone give me briars and thorns in battle, then I would step on them. I would burn them completely. In other words, I wouldn't use them to hurt anyone. Or let them rely on my protection. Let them make peace with me. Let them make peace. Let him make peace with me. And here's the promise. In the days to come, Jacob will take root. Israel will blossom and sprout and they will fill the whole world with fruit. So again, Isaiah is is seeing a vision of a time when Jacob, Israel, God's people will fill the whole earth. It'll it'll become this vineyard that, that bears fruit in the whole world. Okay, so you see this global hope and prosperity fruit bearing uh, that that Jacob will have in the days to come. But then something unexpected comes, this questioning. And we've looked at all of this, just refreshing your memory, this unexpected question, like the striking of him who has struck them, has he struck them? Or like the slaughter of his slain, have they been slain? And and remember, we walked through this. It's a strange kind of out of nowhere question, but what he's getting at is God struck all the other nations, struck them hard in in the previous visions of Isaiah. Assyria, Babylon, they all get they all get leveled by God. And and now Isaiah is asking the question. Like God, like he struck all those other nations, has he struck Jacob? Like he slaughtered those that he slew, has he also slaughtered Jacob? And the answer is yes. You contended with them, that is Jacob, by banishing them, by driving them away. Exile, you see? With his fierce wind, he has expelled them on the day of the east wind. Therefore, through this, through this banishing, through this exile, through the expulsion, Jacob's iniquity will be, and remember we looked at this, forgiven is, that's that's a poor translation. That's an interpretation here by our NAS. The word means to atone for. He's saying Jacob's iniquity will be atoned for. This is not talking about the cross. That's what we always think of when we think of atonement. But go back and watch all the previous episodes as we walk through this. The atonement here is God's destruction of the people, his exile, his 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 bringing this, this uh, banishment upon them. We talked about the two ways that sins can be atoned for. And again, I'll Push it back to a previous live stream to work through that. Therefore, Jacob's of Nicodee will be atoned for, and this will be the full price of the parting of his sin when he makes all the altar stones like pulverized chalk. The altar stones, the temple, the altar on the temple. This is God predicting that he's going to exile Israel, banish them by destroying the temple. remember that led us to the whole discussion of the destruction of the temple as found in Luke 21, Matthew 24, and so on. Now, he goes on in here in Isaiah, and he says, For the fortified city, that's Jerusalem, is isolated, a homestead forlorn and forsaken like the desert. There the calf will graze, there it will lie down and feed on its brandage. It's going to be wiped out, and so all these animals are going to fill the city because there aren't people there, because they've all been either destroyed or expelled. When its limbs are dry, they are broken off. Women come in and make fire with them. They are not a people of discernment. Speaking of Jacob here. Therefore, their maker will not have compassion on them, and their creator will not be gracious to them. Then he goes on and says, In that day the Lord will start his threshing from the flowing stream of the Euphrates to the brook of Egypt, and you will be gathered up one by one, O sons of of Israel. So you see the the, the sandwich here of hope. <laughs> you see the oh oh a vine a vineyard of wine, think of it. I'm, my my wrath is spent. I have no more wrath for for my people. I I'm done. If someone were to bring briars and thorns, I would not use them. I'd, I'd step on them. I'd squash them. I would not use them to hurt anyone. And then the scene wait, wait a minute. Has he struck Jacob like he struck all those other nations? Yes. Jacob's sins will be atoned for when God destroys the temple, when he when he crushes and pulverizes the stones of the altar and all that they used to uh, to worship idols and so on. And then God's going to start threshing and 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 separating the wheat from the chaff and and bringing His people here. Remember, I just read this, gathering His people one by one, the sons of Israel. He's going to bring them all back. So here's this prediction of exile, destruction of Jerusalem, and then he's going to start bringing them back. And here in verse 13, he says, it will come about also in that day that a great trumpet will be blown. And those who were perishing in the land of Assyria, who were scattered in the land of Egypt, will come and worship the Lord in the holy mountain of Jerusalem. So as you go back and read Matthew 24, and and we'll we'll come back in the upcoming days and, and talk through this, This idea of a great trumpet bringing God's people to Jerusalem. You need to to see how this plays in, in the prophets to understand what Jesus is talking about there. So for our purposes, just a reminder, God's grace and forgiveness of Israel, his protection, and then his statement of judgment, and then calling all of Israel to Jerusalem again. It's all here in Isaiah 27, and Paul quotes this in Romans 11. All Israel will be saved just as it is written. So do you see maybe where he's going here with all Israel being saved? He'll call all of the sons of Israel out of exile. The deliverer will come from Zion. Remove ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them. That's all Isaiah 59, which we did look at earlier. When I take away their sins, that's Isaiah 27 that I just read, when he spends his wrath on Israel and Jerusalem and the temple, the city, and all that. So there's one other thing we need to get because Paul says here, the hardening of Israel occurs until the fulfillment or the fullness of the Gentiles has entered in. Till the fullness of the nations has entered in. Into what? Into what? All right. So I want to go, and this is all over the the uh, the prophets as well. All over Isaiah. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna hone in on one section here. Uh, to give a flavor of this, but if you read the prophets, you'll see this kind of thing uh, splattered all throughout Isaiah. But it was hidden; it, it wasn't obvious to everyone. But Paul is now taking the cover off. Uh, Lon made a comment. Let me take a quick look at this before we jump to Isaiah, just to see what he said here. Reminds me of the token woman with David banishment of Absalom, Second Samuel 14:14. 14, 14, quote: For we will all surely die, but he, God, plans ways so that the banished one will not be cast out. Yeah. Uh, Very, very similar idea. God is, uh, he pronounces banishment and then he pronounces uh, deliverance. Yeah, very good. All right, so here's Isaiah 49. This is one of what's called the servant songs. There are four of these so-called servant songs where God predicts the coming one, the Messiah. And he refers to him as his servant, and uh, the NAS and others will help you understand he's talking about the Messiah because it'll be a capital S, my servant. <coughs> Excuse me. Sometimes he talks about Israel being the servant and uh, that's translated with a small s to help you as they, they, the translators here don't think it's Messiah it's talking about. It's talking about Israel, which I think is they get that right. Uh, and sometimes Israel is called the servant, as we'll see here, which is talking about the Messiah. And then it broadens out, and uh, is talking not about Israel, but the nations. Okay, so Isaiah forty nine is one of these places. Let's look at it. For uh, listen to me, O islands, and pay attention, you peoples from afar. So this is in contrast to the Jews, in contrast uh, to his people Israel. Now the vision, the scope, is going across the globe, across across the coastlands, which. In, 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 um as you, you think of Israel being the, the Jewish people, the coastlands would represent the nations, the far off ones, which is what he says here, right? The people's from afar. The Lord called me from the womb. And you see here a capital M, me. This is talking about, uh, well, we now know the Messiah. This is talking about Jesus, the uh, the, the servant here. Uh, the Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother he named me. Side note as the nation rages and the left rages in their anger that we we that uh, that the Supreme Court might dare to change Roe v. Wade and all the battles, being fought. We need to be praying for our nation. Please be on your knees and praying that God would show mercy to our nation. This is a great time, potentially a great time in history. There's a lot of good that could come from this. Uh, We are told to pray for the kings, pray for the government so that we might live in peace. And that's what we need to be doing. So pray, pray that uh, what we see going on would expose more the folly of the uh, atheistic worldview and the left and I mean, they are, their, their stupidity is just on display. And we need to be bold. But we it, that boldness starts with knowing the truth. And the truth is, life starts in the womb. Look, listen to me, islands. Pay attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named me. I'm not just a, a, a lump of cells. I'm not just a fetus. I'm a person with a name, the Messiah says here in this vision that Isaiah sees. So side note, but it's in the scripture. It's clear here. All right. So what uh, what is said about this one? He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. So this one who's called from the womb and named in the womb, he's got a mouth. He's, his words are going to be divisive and penetrating and effective. In the shadow of his hand, he has concealed me. So, the image here, here is that God has taken this one and and covered him. He's, he's hidden. He's concealed. He's, he's sort of uh, in the shadows here of the hand of God. Okay? So, he's not on a full public display where everybody sees him. He... God has also made me, the servant, the Messiah, a select arrow, a choice arrow. He has hidden me in his quiver. So we see a couple of terms here to describe he, he's a, he's sharp, he's effective, he's he, he's a weapon, his mouth is a weapon, he's a, he's a chosen arrow that will do its job at, a, at the right time, but not everybody sees him. So hidden in the shadow of his hand and and select and covered in uh, in the quiver. So there's a bunch of arrows in the quiver. This one's kind of hidden away there. He, God said to me, you are my servant Israel in whom I will show my glory. Now there is so much here that'd be worth exploring, but take some time and ponder this. God is calling the Messiah Israel. What we now understand is Jesus is the embodiment of everything Israel was supposed to be. And he is the fulfillment of everything God promised through Israel. I get comments all the time. If you look at especially the, um, the little short videos I did years ago, didn't have any facial hair, had, didn't have any gray hair, <laughs> on uh, new covenant theology versus its dispensationalism and covenant theology, I get comments all the time. Uh, people blasting me and accusing me of not representing those other schools of thought very well. And, you know, they're, uh, of course they never engage with me and offer me j- differences of uh, how I got it wrong. They just personal attacks ad hominem. That's, that's tend to, that tends to be what we do and we don't like what somebody says. But one of the, uh, one of the statements I get frequently in those comments and, and this pejorative label that they use, they really think it's a gotcha kind of statement. They accuse me, they say, this is just replacement theology, just replacement theology. As though that's a bad thing. Uh, well, Jesus is the one who taught uh, and and said to the Pharisees very sternly, the kingdom will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruit of it. Uh so they, they just dismiss Jesus' own words that basically God is replacing Israel with someone else. Now, we'll come back tomorrow and see Romans 11 says it's not quite that simple. It's not that God is done with the Jews, but there is an element of God focused on Israel for generations. But then they rejected the Messiah and God rejected them and God turned to the Gentiles. So I know we'll come back to that tomorrow. And, and I'm not, uh, but the idea of replacing Israel is even right here. You are my servant, Israel. All the promises of God are yes in Jesus. Second Corinthians 1.20. So all the land promises, the descendant promises, Uh, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all the things God promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the nation of Israel, it all is fulfilled in this one, the servant. It's no longer about ethnic Israel. It's all about the elect Israel, which starts with Jesus and all who are in Christ. You should ponder that sometime if you haven't. It'll, It'll change how you read the New Testament and the Old Testament. It'll rock your world in some ways. And here, the Messiah is called God's servant, just like Moses was his servant and Joshua was his servant. Well, this one, this coming one, the Messiah is his servant and he names him Israel, right? He said back here, I was given a name in my mother's womb. Well, what is the name? Israel, right? Now, nowhere is Jesus actually named Israel, just like he's not actually named Emmanuel, but it's all foretelling something, predicting something. This one is going to be the embodiment of Israel. And God will show his glory through this one. But here's what the Messiah says as he looks at his work. But I said, I've toiled in vain. I've sent my spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Now, knowing what you now know, And again, this is not actually a conversation that took place. This is a vision that God gave to Isaiah to to reveal something. So just kind of go along with the story a little bit. Imagine the Messiah now looking back. He came to be Israel. He came to redeem Israel. And the majority of the Jews rejected him. In fact... The Jews are the ones that had him crucified. Now It was actually the Romans that pounded the nails into Jesus' hand, but why did they do that? Because the Jews cried out in mass, in this mob, crucify him, crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. We do not want this man to rule over us. And you can see, this experience of Jesus looking back and say, it was all for nothing. I've told in vain. I spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Yet surely the justice do me is with the Lord and my reward with my God. God will uh, He will bring justice, He'll bring reward. And now the Lord responds. Now, the Lord who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him so that Israel might be gathered to him. Okay? The Lord who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him so that Israel might be gathered to him. And then this parent that Parenthetical statement by the uh, the servant. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God is my strength. Here's what God says to him. It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. You see that? This this whole conversation going on between God and his servant Israel the one who's going to come deliver Israel again who we now know is Jesus God says to him it is too small a thing you look back and you think it was a waste of time that your work was in vain now please understand this is not actually a conversation that took place this is a vision given to Isaiah to help illustrate something so just imagine it Jesus says, oh, I wasted my time. My, my coming to, to deliver Israel is all a waste of time because they all rejected me. And, and God says to him, no, 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 no. He was not in vain. My plan has always been this. It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. This is 600 years before the coming of Christ and God is predicting when I send my servant, It is not going to be merely for Israel. That's way too small a vision. Oh, no. My vision is cosmic, God says. My plan is way beyond a little nation in the ancient Near East. He says, I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Friends, this was always the plan. Always the plan. Think back to the Garden of Eden, right? God says to Adam, go and rule and subdue the earth. Fill the whole earth with people. And then what happened? Well, they sinned and... and. You you turn the pages and pretty soon we get the Tower of Babel and the nations have all rebelled against God. Nobody's pleasing God, very few, right? It's just this whole earth filled with rebellious people. God uh, wipes them all out in the flood before that with the uh, the preserving uh, Noah and then they get right back to their evil and the Tower of Babel and this time God doesn't wipe them out. He, He picks one man, Abraham, and says, you, Abraham, your offspring, your seed, is going to be a blessing to what? To all the nations. Every family, all the tribes of the earth will be blessed in you and your seed. That's Jesus. The vision was always global, always the nations. But then he made his covenant with Israel and focused on Israel. And for generations, it was all about the Jews but now we understand through this prophet, 600 years before the coming of Christ, that vision for a global people who were ruling and subduing and worshiping God—it was never changed from a global vision of God. This was always the plan, and here we have this this conversation between God and the servant. God saying to the servant, "No, no, it, it, you're you're looking back." with with regret with thinking oh I wasted my time by coming to save Israel cuz they all rejected me no 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 I'm going to make you a light of the nations so when Paul says the fullness of the gentiles have to come in he's talking about all of these predictions that the Messiah would come for the nations what does Jesus say in the great commission All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Now you go into all the nations and disciple them. Disciple the nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that I commanded you. The nations are mine, Jesus said. They've been given to me. Remember Psalm 2? Ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. Guess what? He asked, Father, give me the nations. And the father says, okay, the nations are yours. This has been my plan forever. And Jesus rises from the dead, receives the crown of glory, says, now the nations belong to me. Now I'm sending out my disciples to go conquer the nations with the sword of my mouth, with the sword of the spirit. Blow the trumpet and call the sons of Israel, which includes the Gentiles, from all the nations to gather to Jerusalem, which is Jesus and the church. This has always been the plan. So, as Paul is revealing all of this, I don't want you to be un- uninformed, brethren. A partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness or fulfillment, as it can be translated, of the nations has come in. So, all Israel be saved. The deliverer has come. When he removes ungodliness, this is my covenant with them. When their sins are taken away here. And then he goes on and finishes. So, we needed to have that last piece, that it was always a global vision. And now, tomorrow, (laughs) Lord willing, the plan is to come back and walk through Romans 11, at least this latter part, and see how all these pieces fit together of what Paul is getting at as to when. The hardening of Israel is completed. So we'll do that tomorrow. Let me take a look at a couple of these comments here, and then we will call it a morning. Dale says, How dare you not get every nuance of an opposing viewpoint in a three minute video? You're just an anti Nobian biblicist advocating replacement theology. Yeah, uh, uh, and he's referring back to what I said a few minutes ago. Uh, man, it's uh, I get that all the time. Like, uh, Anyway, yes, that's uh, that's how it comes across. Todd says dispensationalists replace tribulations on that generation that crucified him with tribulation for a future uh, generation. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and and that's what happens when we when we get a a biblical. I'm sorry, when we get a, fr- a theological framework in our minds, in our thinking, and then we filter everything through that theological framework, like dispensationalism and the left behind. Uh, eschatology, then we read these passages through that grid. What I'm trying to show you is we we, we all come to every passage with a theological grid. You, you can't help it. But we want to build that theological grid from the very clear teaching of Scripture. And that's what I'm trying to build for you is this filter. Okay, we see all of these things repeated over and over and over again in the, in the prophets that, that give us this grid. Now, that doesn't make everything Easy. Uh, as we come back later in the week to work through the all of it discourse more, as I told you, we'll kind of I'll interact with some of your questions and things. Uh, there's still still some things about Matthew 24 and 25 that I'm not settled on, and some of you have already offered some some opinions in the comments, which I, which is great, and I want to wrestle with those, and I welcome more of those because I, I maybe together we can come up with uh, with a solution that many of us will say, oh, I didn't see that before, um, but we just got to be careful and not build it from a an abstract system of theology but what does the scripture say and how does the scripture use these prophecies and so on. So yeah, I appreciate that comment. All right, folks, uh, our time is up. Uh, Thanks for joining with me tomorrow. We will wrap up this particular series and then uh, answer type a few loose ends through the rest of the week. Have a blessed day. Rejoice in this day the Lord Jesus made. Be glad in it. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow.